Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water, where we offer you the finest to the finer things. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Terry Talks Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Terry. I'm Clayton Terry. And today we are joined by special guest, uh, U of To Hear This alumni and Beach Tower bassist. <laughs> Hi, my name's Evan. I'm also Ryan's roommate. He's also my Forgot roommate. Forgot that part, too. We are using the same mic. <laughs> we are so close. We are very close. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about uh, all things Batman. Comics, movies, TV shows, anything that we have seen and can recommend uh, with uh, or just anything worth talking about that we've seen from the Batman franchise. I know uh, myself and Evan have gotten really into Batman material after we just started playing the Arkham games, and I recommended him some comics, and it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. And I think that that's where I would kind of like to start, is what what was everyone's introduction to the Batman character and the Batman ethos and the world of Gotham in general. For me, it was Lego Batman. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. Nice. Um, I, I never watched the Nolan movies. Like when they came out, even though everyone talked about it, but I, uh, I was very into Lego Batman on the Wii. So that was cool for me. I think so. Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time, if not my favorite movie of all time. And I wasn't originally allowed to see it. Our parents, Ryan, um, they said that they saw it in theaters and then they said that it was too scary for me. And I was like, ha, nice try. So I watched it at a friend's house and it wasn't that scary, but I was like 10. And that movie's pretty dark for someone of that age. But because maybe because it was shrouded in this like this is too scary for you to see but it's also a comic book movie um batman has always held like a special place in my heart since then and then like right after that we got the first arkham game and since then i've been occasionally reading comics and playing the follow-ups to the arkham games and seeing all the movies and stuff so that's probably my introduction yeah i think for me uh, probably because i'm younger and the, all the Dark Knight love and and the Arkham games were just kind of filter, filtered into me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have... I don't think there was anything where I was introduced to Batman. I just sort of always knew of Batman and what Bat, who Batman was and what Gotham was. And I remember we had the old Adam West movie. And before it was a joke, I very distinctly remember re-watching the shark scene. Yes! <laughs> Hunt hundreds of times that scene is etched into my memory (laughs) and i remember like staying home from school on snow days or sick days and i'd put on the burton films or the schumacher films which i loved as a kid and it's the only time and it's the most pure love a kid can have is loving the joel schumacher movies wait ryan do you remember how we watched those movies did we was it DVR'd? No, it was someone uploaded the movie onto YouTube, but it was in 10-minute parts. So it'd be like oh, Batman oh, Forever yes. Part 1, and we would watch the first 10 minutes, and then you would have to find Batman Forever Part 2 from the same channel, 
and watch that and that's how we watch them that's that's how you're supposed to watch those movies i feel in <laughs> 10 minute chunks <laughs> yeah, you that's like... the amount of joel schumacher i could take at any <laughs> yeah, moment honestly. well i i have great news for you ryan i actually i actually got you a nice gift from uh the thrift store the other day <laughs> uh, can you bring it over can yeah well there's it? no visual element but i, I know i just want to i just want to read it i want to i got ryan a uh a nice little DVD for three, 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 three $3. It was and two, it was two ninety nine to yeah. be exact. It was the four <laughs> film collection of Batman, uh, which has uh, the Tim Burton films, Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin. So he can watch it like any time of the day at his <laughs> leisure. I'm, so. I'm incredibly thankful for this. It is the flimsiest DVD case I've ever gotten. And the DVDs, <laughs> the DVDs are unmarked. <laughs> they look like bootlegs. They could have anything in them. Wait, they're completely we blank. Yeah, yeah, we don't know if this is Batman or not. We haven't watched it yet. But yeah, that's my relationship to the Batman movie. <laughs> we actually just rewatched. I'll get to it later, but we just rewatched Batman Forever and a little bit of Batman and Robin. It's it's so much fun. Um, I think uh, I was gonna start on this point, but I I thought it was better to start on the introductions personally to the character because I think Batman and general Batman lore and art style sort of goes beyond comic books and like geek culture if that's even a like much of a thing anymore or or like a much of a concentrated thing like i feel like batman has always been special to people in a way that a lot of uh, and a lot of people in a way that a lot of other comics aren't necessarily and I know that's not to put down anything else but that's just to like mark the relevance i mean they weren't making superhero movies that did obscenely well in the 80s unless it was batman or superman yeah because like no one knew who iron man was no one knew who captain america was really in the same way that they know who these characters are and i wanted to ask what or dissect what makes batman this kind of hero what makes batman a cultural icon that's a good question um i the way i see it because I, I think a lot of people compare, like, the Marvel Universe to, like, you know, Batman, Superman and stuff. I think when it comes to Batman, there seems to be some sort of, like, creative freedom. I feel with, like, each each time, like, a film comes out, let's say, compared to, like, the Marvel Universe, where I think, like, every iteration of Batman has a difference or there is something unique about it. And I think one... Once, like, a set amount of Batmans come out, I think everyone will, like, find their favorite. I don't know. I think I think it'll connect to a larger audience when there are different... When there are iterations that have different styles and tones to it. Like, there's the goofy Adam West Batman that people like where it's incredibly cheesy. And then there's, like, the Nolan Batman where it's super, super serious and really good. <laughs> yeah, the character is, like, so versatile. I really like that point, Evan. For some reason, I think for one thing, the fact that DC has like a lot of non-canon comics and like side houses that pump out new material pretty often helps a lot. And I also think that for I think that because of the characters, because of the crazy cast, because of so many good villains and the undertones of mental illness and psychological torture and grief, 
you have a bunch of really in a really good talented artists and writers flocking to batman because there's so much to unravel with the character i think you see that in i mean we'll get to it but like batman returns and arkham asylum and the dark knight there's something like i feel like while while other characters have talk about while other comic books talk about grief and mental illness there is something it's almost impossible to tear that away from batman from the themes of batman yeah Yeah. that's really interesting because i feel like you both kind of took it from like a creator's perspective whereas like if you ask me the question like why is batman so popular compared to like superman or iron man my two theories are that a uh batman is just like so iconic like that iconography the image of like the silhouette of a man with a cape and the two pointy ears and all you see are those like bright white eyes that's like instantly recognizable in the way that like mickey mouse's silhouette is i feel like um and then secondly like in the dc universe batman as far as I know, is like the only major superhero who doesn't actually have superpowers. And I feel like that's why the character is so popular with kids, right? Because that's why Spider-Man was so appealing, where it's like, oh, this is a superhero, but also he has the problems that I have as a high schooler. They can't necessarily be Superman, but they could be Batman, you know? It's like, you can't be Luke Skywalker, but you could be Han Solo, and that's why Han Solo is everyone's favorite. Yeah, like he's incredible. Like Bruce Wayne is incredibly human Mm -hmm. like they definitely highlight his conflict his self-conflict like in almost every single like time you mention batman there is always reference to his parents dying Mm -hmm. a spoiler alert it's what makes him not feel like a superhero (laughs) yeah it's like he he like i think long halloween in year one year one's an origin story and long halloween's a detective story (laughs) Like, like these are superhero tr- ideas and superhero uh, imagery used to display, uh, like, genres of thriller and horror and um, psychological horror and uh, character studies, mm-hmm. which probably do- I don't think happens as much in other... Like, The Killing Joke is a character study into Batman's most interesting villain, and aside from not other... Uh, having that level of popularity with any one villain, imagine having that popularity of that one villain and then turning it into a comic that becomes one of the hallmark comics of its era. Mm -hmm. A must-read for anyone who enjoys Batman comics or anything, really. Like, that's that's a level of popularity that you wouldn't... I I don't think that a Lex Luthor comic would catch on in the same way as as a killing joke would. Yeah, that's a really good point, because even, like, the only other superhero that has as good a rogues gallery as Batman would probably be Spider-Man, but I can't think of a single Spider-Man villain where I'm like, I really want to dive into the psychology of this character, you know? Mm-hmm. Where that's, like, a dime a dozen in Batman comics. Yeah. Like, it's Honestly. it feels like every Batman comic dives psychologically into at least one of its villains. Have, having an asylum as like one of the primary settings of your of the universe you create like for Batman is perfect because it's 
it's the perfect setting for this kind of like material i think also the gothic architecture the general look of gotham and how it functions is very like is almost totally recognizable outside of the context of batman like i look at i mean just show me a building in batman arkham asylum uh the comic or the game and i'll say oh that looks like batman that looks like gotham Mm -hmm. and that's that's something that changes with like nolan's more realistic interpretation or like the long halloween in year one's more like grittier like dirty sort of gotham um but like it's it's a city that's evolving with the character and and i think that that's something else about batman is he evolves he doesn't stay the same like every interpretation of batman is a different interpretation with a different look and a different uh outlook on how uh crime functions in gotham and and in some cases you get to see that same batman evolve in his mindset on crime and crime fighting and his role in gotham and that is an incredibly compelling arc to follow for any hero but for someone as complex and as tortured as bruce wayne is it makes it so much more interesting i love how uh you said this a while ago but you can kind of look at i think it was when we were watching um oh i don't remember which movie it was i don't know if it was the dark knight but you were like you could look at lego batman and then this and then like christopher nolan's batman and like, their personalities are so different, but you're still like, oh, yeah, that's Batman. Like, yeah. Yeah, you don't even think, like, if I hear, here's a great example. If I see Iron Man, and it's in a comic, and, or it's the Lego version, say it's one that doesn't speak, but now they speak now, so the maybe is, this example Which is awful. Work. It's bad. Yeah, I hate there. that so much. But if I see Iron Man, I'm going to hear Tony Stark. I'm going to look at him as if he's Tony Stark. I'm going to see the mannerisms of Tony Stark. But when I see Batman, I don't think of Ben Affleck Batman. I don't think of uh, Christian Bale Batman. I don't think of Michael Keaton Batman. The closest, if I'm reading the comics, I'll probably read it in, like, uh, what's the actor's name? Kevin Conroy. I'll probably read yeah. it in Kevin Conroy's voice. But I don't, that's not the def- that's not necessarily the definitive Batman to me because I don't think there is a definitive Batman. Plus, like Bruce Wayne and Batman are such different characters. I feel like it's really hard for a live action uh, actor to accurately portray both, right? Like, I feel like oh yeah, Ben Affleck. I don't know. I feel like he was a okay Batman, but I didn't like him as Bruce Wayne. And then like Christian Bale is a good Bruce Wayne. But then I go back and forth on, like, his performance as Batman. So it's, like, because the character is, like, so complex, it's really hard to, like, nail down in a satisfying way, especially both alter egos. I think uh, my favorite uh, adaptation has been Christian Bale because I think he does the best job of balancing that, like, snarky asshole playboy Bruce Wayne that's all Mm -hmm. a facade and the real batman because like when you we were talking about this like he's basically patrick bateman when he plays oh my goodness i know yeah like he doesn't even it doesn't even feel if if someone told me this bruce wayne murders people in his free time i'd be like oh i see (laughs) (laughs) he looks exactly like patrick bateman it's 
like the when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, "This is American Psycho." <laughs> like yeah, I'm watching American you, Psycho. You don't right even now. see Batman until like an hour and a half into the movie. <laughs> you don't even see him in the suit. It's crazy long time. Batman Begins. I feel like there is still like some wit and charm to Bruce Wayne, but by Dark Knight, like he is either like brooding or an asshole, <laughs> and like that's oh it. yeah, he's. And in Rises, I mean, you you haven't seen Rises yet, I but in Rises, I'll I'll pre- prepare you. He's a dick. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a huge dick. Huh. But um, yeah, it it's like, I th- I find that so interesting. I love seeing stuff in the comics or in. There's this one great scene in Batman Beyond where he's he has a dream and where someone like speaks to him as Bruce, calls him Bruce, or or he calls himself Bruce in the dream. And he thinks that it's not a dream, but like a, a hallucination someone did to him. And then someone, uh, his like protege that he's training is like, how do you know? And he's like, I don't call myself Bruce in my head. Or there, there's one comic where he, where he's, uh, they're holding the lasso of truth and they say their real names. And like uh, Superman says Kal-El, uh, Wonder Woman says, I forget her name because I always just call her Gal Gadot now. <laughs> <laughs> Diana what's, what's... or something? Di- yeah, Diana. And then um and Bruce says Batman. Wow. He doesn't even hesitate. <laughs> so like it, that's the interest he sees Bruce Wayne as the masked figure and Batman as him, which is so so interesting to me. That is I know um Ryan, you haven't read Watchmen. Um I'm curious Evan, have you read Watchmen? I have not. I want to though. Well, I I won't spoil anything, but like that is so the character of Rorschach. And I feel like one of the comics we read for this podcast, I think um, it must have been Batman Arkham Asylum. He is like, he really brings out that Rorschach nature of like, I am wearing the mask when the mask is off. You know, like yeah. my mask is yeah. Bruce Wayne. On that note, we could uh, move on to the comics because I think we've all read, we've all read year one. And I honestly think if you're hopping into the Batman comics, year one is the best place to start. I, I don't even know if there is another place to start personally. Maybe year zero, which or or Earth zero. I don't Earth one. I don't remember what it's called, but it's the new origin story for New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely think year one's the place to start. It was written by Frank Miller. It is meant to be the prequel uh, to. The Dark Knight Returns, which was a non-canon comic that then became the new canon, and every comic, in but every Batman comic that's considered canon between '86 and New Fifty Two, is in the Millerverse. Okay. So like Dark Knight Returns basically rewrote Batman fiction. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and um. Oh yeah, it's I I mean I I hope I got that right. It's very hard because everything's kind of scattered through like all the information is scattered through different like DC forms, but that's <laughs> generally what I've I've seen to be the truth. So year 1 is the prequel to that is the introduction to this Batman. Uh what did everyone think of it? I I've loved it. I mm-hmm. I really it was my first I think it was my first comic like ever besides like a really small comic like that I snatched from like this like local video game store. I don't even remember it, but like this is the first one I really like sunk my teeth into. Uh, besides it just being about Batman, one thing I want to like praise is the art direction for this comic. 
I think it looks, it so looks mm-hmm. phenomenal. It looks so good. It's not like it doesn't look very cheesy or old, but it also doesn't look like really flashy or anything. Like mm-hmm. it is a perfect blend of realism like with this like cell, you know, like the traditional comic book shading and stuff. I think it looks beautiful. Yeah, I I definitely agree with Evan. I hadn't read year 1 before prepping for this podcast, and I was surprised because it's like an 80 minute read like it really didn't take me that long and like you're saying ryan it was just like so accessible to like someone who's semi-familiar with batman's origin story and i yeah i just really i love the art style i love the fact that it tracks like selena kyle bruce wayne and jim gordon all like as parallel stories of how to find justice in the city of gotham i was really happy with year one I love I love the way it does that. I think that's incredibly smart. Um and I think that it really makes it really makes it clear how important Gordon and Kyle are to Batman's story, especially mm-hmm. in this universe. I mean, I've seen I of every comic I've read within this universe every, or every like s- story forward comic i've read in this universe those three people are the main players like gordon uh batman and kyle are are mm-hmm. or catwoman are so important and it's really like the only characters who you can really trust in all the comics and alfred but like he's not a perspective character yeah so like that is the batman family for the sake of year one long halloween and Dark Victory is the introduction to Robin. I, I was gonna do a brief on that, but I know no one else has read that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Year One is incredible. Have you seen the animated Year One? I haven't. The animated. I've seen animated Batman Under the Red Hood, which might be my favorite animated Batman movie. Um, Mask of the Phantasm, and then both of the Dark Knight Returns ones. So I haven't finished Dark Knight Returns the comic, but I've I know the story. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard that like. Uh, this might be true for Dark Knight Returns as well. I've heard that the adaptations for Dark Knight Returns and Year One are pretty much like page to page. They seemed like it, yeah. Like almost exact, yeah. And I, I was, I'm, st- I still want to watch them. I'm still interested in that, but that didn't seem. I feel like there would be something lost in translation because I feel like comics are pretty like. Uh, comics are easy to get lost in. Yeah. And and if you're not following like everything to a T, especially in this like these like detective comics, essentially. I was going to say that in reference to like year one is it really captures for me what comics and animation can do that live action movies can't like Bruce Wayne calling a bunch of bats to like offer cover as an escape. Like it's completely plausible in a comic or in an animated show and it could look really cool, but in a live action movie, that would just be so stupid. (laughs) Well, that happens and begins. Does it? Yeah, he like he like calls on he like hits a so uh, what is it like echolocation thing? Yeah, it's like a yeah. sonar thing, and it attracts bats from the cave. Wow! It's, but it's like before it's before the bat cave is like really formed, right? It's under yeah. the manor. It's really cool, but also like kind of silly. It's when a little watching. cheesy. I think for us, we had just finished year one, or Evan had just finished year one. So when that happened, we were like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, I finished year one, and I and then we directly watched uh, that movie. So I could so see awesome. a lot of, I, yeah, I could see a lot of uh, similarities between the two, which was 
really nice. It was the first like I read the comic book, so I know I know the lore. I'm a true fan. <laughs> I can I can shame other people now for not reading the comics. <laughs> I also love how the how the comic begins with Gordon on like in a train when it's a rainy day and he's just like Gotham City and he's, he's <laughs> like basically it's just like yeah this place sucks yeah. I think they did a really good job uh just displaying how how gross everything looked mm-hmm. with his dialogue with his like inner dialogue every single piece of Batman media basically starts with like the one scene from Scott Pilgrim where it shows the rocket and on the side it says this place is a toilet. That's how every it's Gotham, and that's how everyone starts. It's like, man, this city fucking sucks. Like in Dark in Dark Knight Returns, it it starts with like a like, what does it start with? It starts with like, uh, them going on about how much crime there is in Gotham yeah, and how much like a news shit report. all it is to live there. Yeah, it's like, why would you like Metropolis is across the lake. <laughs> yeah they they reference metropolis which which seems like a way better city and they're just like yeah no one's gonna go over there yeah. though like why aren't you guys just like pack the bags move out gotham looks awful what are you doing do i want to deal with the greedy billionaire or the greedy billionaires plus the maniac clown who's yeah, gonna blow a clown up. blowing <laughs> banks yeah. up man which one is worse? Like, I imagine the day-to-day in Metropolis must be better. Like, yeah, you get, like, once a year, you get this horrible catastrophe that could kill all of you. But the rest of it's probably better. Anyways, Long Halloween is more or less the sequel to Year One. I believe The Man Who Laughs is in between the two, but that came out, like, much later. So for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to say Long Halloween. It's a... It's the introduction to Harvey Dent, like the the real meaty introduction to Harvey Dent. And it follows Batman, Gordon, and Dent as they're trying to track down uh, a killer who is killing members of the Falcone mob boss family on uh, holidays. And it is, uh, me and Evan have read it. Clay, you haven't read it, have you? I've only, I read the first issue. I wanted to to read further because i really like the art style and i know i kind of know where this story goes from conversations with ryan and both like online but i have only read the first issue myself yeah so i won't go too far into anything spoilery although i don't think i'll need to um it's a pure uh crime thriller yeah it's it's and the rogues cast of batman characters are not the villains they are obstacles in the way of solving this mystery. Oh, and I that, that. Is an, that is an incredible use of... Because I believe like Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, Joker, Poison Ivy, all of Solomon Grundy, all of yep. these characters show up. Oh, the Riddler has a... That's really yeah, funny. he has a strange <laughs> uh, sequence of events. And it doesn't feel like they're not the focus. They're not necessary to tell the story. They're there to color the world. Hmm. And it's such a smart and interesting... Oh, Calendar Man is in it oh, as well. Calendar Man isn't the killer. He, he like... They, they like... Cal- Calendar Man is kind of the Hannibal Lecter of the story. Where they go to him to figure out what's going on. And it's so... It might be my favorite comic. The twists that takes you through are harrowing... 
uh, I'm actually paid to say this. Sponsored. <laughs> Sponsored. Uh, it's looks beautiful. It is just a, a, a ride. It's a trip. Yeah. I had a good time reading it. It's also my favorite example of uh, Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne relationship. I definitely preferred Selena, uh, Selena, Selena, right? Yeah. Yeah. Selena Kyle's relationship in this one. Um, I think I, I think I lean towards year one more just because I prefer the art style and I feel like it's more grounded com- in comparison. It definitely is. It, this feels like a nice compromise between the grounded year one and the more goofy. I mean, once you start introducing characters like the Riddler and Calendar Man, yeah. it's gonna be a little goofy. And even even Joker, mm-hmm. like he looks, oh, yeah, Joker, he's super exaggerated. Mm-hmm. His t- like his jaw is all the way dropped down. And his teeth are super long and gross. It's a, uh, but it, it's it's an it's striking. Yeah, the portrayals of the characters in this comic are striking, and it almost feels like when the characters show up, it almost feels like not fan service, but it almost feels like oh shit. He's in this comic too. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like it. I know it's really cool. It's really cool to watch everything unfold and watch these people desperately try and uh, both bring down this mob family that they've been fighting for years and this killer actively bringing them down outside of the police. I like how there's uh, the GCPD trying to eliminate organized crime in Gotham, and then there's a there's a clown in a plane flying around with a bat attached to it. And it's almost like that's the lesser problem. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we got to deal with these mob families, but we'll stop this guy along the way. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't read Long Halloween, but I imagine that juxtaposition of you have Harvey Dent and uh, Jim Gordon, who at least at the start are like lawful good, like do this by the book. And then you have Batman who's like, chaotic good like i'm gonna break some bones to get what i ultimately need to like the ends justify the means and then you have this guy who's like i'm just gonna fucking kill them but they all want the same thing and how that brings out the morality of all of their actions i'm really excited to find out (laughs) yeah because that's sort of what that's sort of at the center of every batman comics the morality of batman the morality of the system and the knowledge that if if Batman, if crime didn't exist, Batman wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you can never have a crime-free Gotham mm-hmm. or a safe Gotham because then you never have a Batman. And these people, these villains, these faces, these uh, freaks, as the Falcones call them, they exist in part because of Batman. And that's something that you can't, you can't untie the two. And they know that. The characters know that. The characters know that. The Joker knows that he exists because Batman exists. Like that, And that's, that's so important to the character's arc in The Killing Joke, in uh, D- The Dark Knight, in every portrayal, in every modern portrayal of the Joker. It's an inescapable fact. Arkham Asylum definitely flirts mm-hmm. with that idea. Um, even more than flirts, it like insinuates that Batman is one of them. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Year one, long Halloween, in, uh, fantastic introductions to the character. Uh, I'm going to say real quick, Dark Victory is the sequel to Long Halloween, and is considered the last comic in er, Batman's early years. 
and it is it follows um a new killer after the events of long halloween killing cops on holidays and it's also the proper introduction to robin in this universe which dick grayson uh dick grayson yep gotcha it's the first dick grayson i will also throw out there that uh the death in the family very very famous comic uh also in this universe we have not read it (laughs) i don't think any of us have read it nope is that canon yes it's canon in this universe okay uh and under the red hood is sort of the events of death in the family and we're going to talk about that when we get to the movie section a bit i imagine um up next is i i had a arkham asylum but i kind of want to talk about killing joke first since i know you and me have read it clan yep uh so the killing joke is like the joker comic it basically uh details the it's also probably one of the most famous comics ever written super short i think it's like it's like you could finish it in like 30 minutes or an hour (laughs) but um it's the introduction to the joker how the joker became the joker and what batman's relationship to the joker means how they are symbiotic how one can't exist without the other um and the torture that the joker is willing to put people through just to get to batman mm-hmm. and it's a really good comic i also think that it might be my least favorite out of all actually i might like it more this or dark victory might be my least favorite but i really enjoy this comic and dark victory it's just it's just very much a one shot it's absolutely worth the read it's an incredible comic alan moore is one of the best writers ever it's just very self-contained um and doesn't feel as grand or as overarching as some of the other comics that we've discussed yeah, if I can be real th- real with you guys, I do not like this comic. <laughs> really? What makes you not like it? I feel like it's really self-serious. And my biggest problem with it is that, like, even though... I guess maybe, maybe I shouldn't say my biggest problem with it because it's kind of a spoiler. But I just feel like it gets so detailed in the Joker's background. And I know there are hints of... Oh, are is the Joker a reliable narrator? Question mark. But even just the mere notion of him telling us his backstory is so much less interesting to me than like him just appearing out of thin air as a response to Batman, as is kind of like implied in the Dark Knight, like the movie and certain comics, like we've talked about. I just feel like I don't know. It's it feels like edgy to be edgy in a way. <laughs> I agree with the fact that I don't like the idea of the Joker's origin story being clearly defined. And that's why I think the Dark Knight thing where he gives different accounts I was just gonna yes. to different that. people is incredibly smart. I think that that's something that sort of became more and more exaggerated as the Joker went on. Like, I don't think there really is a Joker origin story ever anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, although comics and other things try to explore it. Um, it almost feels pointless Like, the Joker exists, it doesn't matter who he was beforehand, and it doesn't matter what his name is or who he is, because he is the Joker and he is nothing else. Yeah, I like that so much more. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. But to be fair to this comic and the themes it's trying to give, I also really like the idea of like one normal man with one bad day can become someone like that. That it, we aren't created monsters, but are turned into monsters from our circumstances. I think that that is a really effective theme mm-hmm. of the story taken as a one shot and outside of the context of the Batman canon. Despite agreeing that sometimes like a little mystery behind his origin seems way more effective in like his character development, which is kind of strange because usually more context is, I don't know, but I still am interested to like read it and kind of see what, what their, what the creator's takes were on like how he, how he came to be. Like, I'm still interested in it, but I, I probably won't prefer it, but it definitely gives me enough interest to want to read this comic. I think it's a necessary read, even mm-hmm. if you don't end up enjoying it as much as the other graphic novels. I think it's so important in the history of novels and in the history of Batman that it's worth anyone's time. It looks great, too. Like, I don't love the story, but, like, the paneling and the illustration's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. It's um, Brian Boland, and I know that because we just pulled up the Wikipedia page, did the art. Shh, Ryan, <laughs> shh. No. Wait, can I tell you guys? a lot of Wikipedia. <laughs> Can I tell you guys the reason I know it's Brian Boland <laughs> or Boland Why? is because so Evan, I do not recommend you buy the deluxe edition. If you're going to buy this like physically to read it, because that includes an afterword with Brian Boland or Bullard. Is it R or D or R or N? At the uh, end? It's an N. N. Okay. So Boland, um, it includes an afterword that he wrote and he basically shits on Alan Moore's writing. He's like, you know, if I was writing it, I wouldn't have given him a backstory. And even though, like, I agree with him, like, he seems like such a dick. And then there's, like, a short comic where basically Brian Bullen just illustrates himself talking to the camera. And he, like, talks about uh. how he would kill Batman. And it's, like, just, like, the king of edgelord shit and it was like (laughs) disgusting to read maybe that's why i hate killing joke but it like really turned me off from it it was like one of the worst appendiums i've ever read attached to a book why would dc even publish that (laughs) what what do they gain from having that i guess people are gonna buy the killing joke anyways but one of the artists creating it basically disavowing the work seems stupid I'll, I'll bring it home over Thanksgiving break, Ryan, and you can read it because it's like a five-minute read, this little afterward. He, he like, snipes Batman in the head, and then he's like, after that, I'd go home, have sex with my girlfriend, and ask her to marry me or something. <laughs> and it's like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. Do you think it was posted on r slash I am very badass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it's a, it does it's, fit that. It's a, uh might be a little off topic, but that reminds me of uh, when they – when Cartoon Network, I think it was, like, remade the Powerpuff Girls and the writers wrote themselves into the show. And, and, like, they made themselves super muscular and stuff. And, like, the Powerpuff Girls liked them. And it's just like, dude, come on. That's gross. That's what are you so doing? so weird. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, asides afterwards for the most part, honestly, if I'm reading your comic and I'm reading the stuff before the comic starts and the after the comic starts, what I want to see is either backstory on how the ideas were created uh, or like a prologue or something more art and the script and those are the only three things that should be before or after a comic yeah yeah 
like extra material because i don't i don't need to know what the uh, artist <laughs> thinks 10 years later yeah like no one cares yeah, <laughs> yeah. are you alan moore no okay <laughs> get out of here uh so uh this is the one i might be most excited to talk about because it's between this and long halloween for my favorite batman arkham asylum a serious house on serious earth which is a mouthful of a title but it is a one shot uh where it's a cross cut between the origins of arkham asylum and amadeus arkham and the uh and batman going into arkham asylum to stop a inmate revolt and it is one of the most surreal dreamlike morbid uh comics i've ever read uh since this is a halloween episode it's an incredible halloween read yes um, and it is stunning i i i absolutely adore it i love the take it has on the characters um i think that it is the best one shot i've read batman one shot i've read yeah this was honestly exceptional in my opinion it feels so ahead of its time it came out in 89 but like it seriously interrogates a figure like Batman who has made a career out of brutalizing the mentally ill while he's clearly not psychologically healthy himself. And it does that through an art style that is just haunting. Like Joker is more scary in this than any rendition I've ever seen like combined outside of this. It is so good. I'm looking at pictures of it right now and... This is terrifying. This is legitimately terrifying. I love it. It's not something to read at night before going to bed. <laughs> I read it oh at my work. Goodness. <laughs> oh, nice. I read it during a uh, music theory class. Oh, perfect. It is the most imaginative uh, art I've ever seen for a comic. Mm-hmm. It is uh, the the way that like Joker's like face is super distorted. His chin is huge. He looks like a, a pale ghostly figure um batman is just all black you never see his skin he's just this silhouette and you sometimes see his eyes and that's really it and the art comic just really pulls you into the psychological torture that the story is presenting and surprisingly enough because the tim burton film came out around the same time this this uh, or this I almost said album because I'm so used to our other podcast. This comic was sold extraordinarily well, <laughs> like Good. insanely well, despite the fact that I feel like it's almost a cult hit. Like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like this an album or <laughs> stop me next time. <laughs> okay. I'll slap you. All right. It doesn't feel like a comic like this should make it through a large publication house, let alone be as popular and well-selling as it was it's beyond the anything comparable to anything else i've read from the from the batman franchise which isn't to say that it's my favorite but i think that it is like the most artistically uh out there i think it's tied with long halloween for my favorite but is the most forward pushing comic i've read of its time or ever even Art, art style wise, at the very least, it's I haven't read stunning. Watchmen, so it is, it is stunning, and and the way that they go with the characters, uh, without diving too much into a spoiler, I think there's only real one big spoiler, which is the ending, 
which mm-hmm. is really good a really good way to wrap it up but like the exploration of amadeus arkham is just a fantastic world building almost unconnected to batman and it's just about the world um the way they take the joker he's sort of this he's got they call it super sanity where every day he builds a new personality for himself and uh lives in that personality so some days he's just this goofy little prankster and other days he's a murderer psychopath Mm -hmm. um there's also undertones that he's sexually attracted to batman wow yeah it's um like two-face in the asylum he's so obsessed with his coin that in order to get him off his coin to make free choices and then the psychiatrist they give him at first a six-sided die to make decisions and then they give him tarot cards and the hope is that he can wane off of his obsession with the coin and his obsession his obsession with duality but it ends up debilitating him to where like he can't even go to the bathroom because he can't he has so many tarot cards that he can't make a decision he's so he can't choose himself anything mm-hmm. and like uh maxi zeus is in this comic and it's probably my favorite portrayal of the character uh he thinks he's a god and so when batman runs into him he talks to batman like this is a world that he's created and he is forcing these people to live through it's just genius it's just a genius comic this looks like the era of batman that i would want to live in considering this came out the same time as the burton films this looks like the very weird part the the very weird teenage phase of batman where it's just like <laughs> yeah just go crazy well cuz that's i think that's something about batman is dc let's dc just says yeah go crazy like there's one comic we i can't sadly we can't discuss because i don't think any of us have read it but i blind recommendation um gotham by gaslight is batman in the 1800s hunting down jack the ripper <laughs> and like those don't i mean they exist in other comics but i feel like batman was the first to really do it to the extent that it was like you have comics like this in 1989 i uh, believe this came out and it's the best-selling comic batman comic up until that point and it is just so artistically uh developed and so artistically out there that it exists in a category of its own absolutely Thank you so much for making me read this, Ryan. I It was so not on my radar, but it was like, it's the logical conclusion of like the implications of all these characters. And that's what makes it like so disturbing. It's really amazing. I, I think it's, I think all of these comics are, I picked these comics because I think, I believe they're necessary reads, but like this, mm-hmm. you can knock it out in an hour and it will change, it will change your perception of comics and Batman. I'm very much into the idea of making having like logical not i don't know if you'd call it logical but like you said about two-face uh to where he has a problem with making decisions and he has to go to an asylum for it and stuff i enjoy when people kind of think outside the box with this very cartoony origin of something and try to make it seem like very disturbing to fit the tone of this comic it's about treating the characters as human yeah that's i love that i love that take on it these characters have existed so long that they almost feel inhuman i mean at this point some of these characters have existed for 80 years you know that's crazy and and the fact that someone's really like grant morrison is the is his work in batman is incredibly large 
But the fact that he said, like, I want to... And this was his first comic, too. Wow. Yeah. And the fact that he said, I want to know what these characters are like inside their minds. I want to explore these characters. And first and foremost, I want to explore Batman. I want to know how Batman thinks of himself. If he sees himself as one of these people. Mm -hmm. And the Amadeus Arkham side plot is... It's almost worth reading as a separate comic if it weren't already wrapped into this amazing story. It's it's sad, it's devastating, it's grueling, um, and it became this comic became the chief inspiration for the Arkham games. And while I don't think it's so obvious in the art style or storytelling, I think it's very obvious in the architecture and the Amadeus Arkham stuff. That might be a good transition to start to talk about like the Arkham games and some of the other external uh, entries of the Batman lore. I was going to quickly bring up Returns. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> because I just I just finished Bat- uh, The Dark Knight Returns today. It is kind of the thing that really solidified Batman as the dark, brooding, gothic portrayal. Um, it's uh, Batman... After a new group of, after a new gang starts to take over Gotham called the Mutants, Batman decides to come out of retirement and battle this gang. And a large deal of the comic is about Cold War hysteria, media during the Cold War, and the morality of uh, the justice system and uh, how the justice system functions. And so much of this comic is taken up by news reports and debates and discussions on the morality of batman and people trying to figure out if bat supporting batman or opposing batman is good for their political career and what they should do about batman and if batman's a positive force on gotham and since batman start uh, comes back all uh, a few of his villains decide to come back too and it's this question of what does a superhero world look like post superheroes is sort of which is very similar to Watchmen, of course, but uh, I feel like that that's the main takeaway from Dark Knight Returns. All of these comics are necessary reads, but if you want one comic that really changed Batman and comics in general, this is the one. I recommend reading it last because it is chronologically in this canon the last Batman comic. Yeah, and and you, I, it's it's helpful to have that background of who Batman is who this Batman is and who the cast of characters around him is and how that affects him. But yeah, it's a great read. I Evan hasn't read it and I know Clayton hasn't finished it, but what do you think of it so far? I like it so far. Um, the story's really good. It's not my favorite art style of all the ones we've looked at. I agree with that. I think the art style's weaker. Yeah, but I, I will say that um, I... Again, I haven't finished the comic, so the comic may end up being way stronger, but I feel like the animated two-part movies really capture the essence of the comic from the first half that I've read, and those are maybe more accessible. They're probably on like HBO or something now, but they're a lot of fun, too. All right, so the first real Batman movie that we're going to discuss that like follows in the same footsteps as the comics that we were just discussing it isn't like the old 50s 60s era batman is tim burton's it's just titled batman i was gonna i thought i was gonna give some long exposition it's just the origin story of batman there's not much to it yeah uh michael keaton as batman 
Jack Nicholson is the Joker, released in 1989. Uh, we haven't seen it recently. I think it's pretty good. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. He just pointed at. The I, DVD. I did point at the DVD. I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, if you don't have plans tonight, we can watch the Timber and Batman. Let's watch movie. all four Batman movies, <laughs> the only important ones. <laughs> Uh, I think we all agree that the Tim Burton movie's okay. I know uh, for me, the, <laughs> you think oh. it's mediocre. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of them in a very long time, but growing up, I didn't like any of them. I mean, I enjoyed them, but I was a kid. Same. I think that I wouldn't enjoy it now because of the campiness of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very exaggerated Batman. It's a very exaggerated Gotham it's a, a very exaggerated joker it's not trying to be grounded i think one problem i i remember this from these movies after watching a bit of the schumacher movies is it almost does feel like it somehow feels like it doesn't take itself seriously enough and takes itself too seriously at the same time and i know that that makes no sense but i think that might just be a hallmark of tim burton style yeah i don't know i just it's not my favorite rendition of the joker as good as jack nicholson is like Michael Keaton's a, Michael Keaton is a good Bruce Wayne, but I don't know if he's a good Batman. And just like I remember being bored as a kid, and I can think of like specific scenes that were boring. But again, I haven't seen it in probably at least a decade, so maybe don't give my opinion that much clout. <laughs> I feel like these movies, and I could say the same thing about Returns, are treating Batman like another comic book character with a really cool world and a lot of cool villains to exploit and use, but still another ba- uh, another superhero. And they don't tackle the morality of the Batman, and they don't ta- tackle the mental illness aspect of the Batman comics, and they don't tackle this the grief and the psychological torture as much. And I think that the, because of those aspects, these films are at a detriment. And I could say the same for Batman Returns, although it's way weirder. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird movie. Uh, also directed by Tim Burton, also starring Michael Keaton, uh, Danny DeVito as the uh, the Penguin, and <laughs> Pamela Anderson as wait Catwoman. I think Michelle Pfeiffer. It's Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pamela yeah, Anderson. Mich- <laughs> wait. I think, Pamela I think you mentioned her earlier. I said, I said, did you know Pamela Anderson used to be married to Kid Rock? Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then, apparently I, I mixed that up in my mind with she played <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> I'm very tired. It and I've consumed a lot of Batman. Though. Yeah, that is true. Um, it came out in 92. I think I have... This movie is fun and campy and strange and weird in its own right. I will say that much. But the portrayals of Penguin and Catwoman are some of my least favorite portrayals of any Batman villain. Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel like they work. I don't feel like they're faithful to the comics. Because to me, other comics have had different portrayals of of the Penguin. But for the most part, the Penguin is just a mob boss. Right. And he's a super brutal and um evil mob boss but he's still just a mob boss he's not this guy who like bites noses off and like has an actual army of penguins Mm -hmm. yeah and was actually raised by penguins (laughs) i feel like tim burton became a parody of himself sometime between batman and batman returns that's the name of this one 
Yes. yes. Yeah. Also, and the portrayal of Catwoman as a crazy cat lady who got crazier is not fun, not interesting. It just sort of boils down the character of Selena Kyle. It, yeah, it just sort of boils down the character of Selena Kyle to like another Poison Ivy, <laughs> another yeah, other female Batman char- uh, villain, which th- there is a lot of that I think are that, basically the same. Sorry, I think that I would be know. my like main criticism with the franchise as a whole is the blatant sexism in it and just how it's like every woman needs to like be wearing skin tight clothing or like barely nothing and then it's like oh well i mean that's not really necessary don't don't get it but whatever i guess it was a different time i don't know i think the hush comics are the worst about it and we didn't really talk about the hush comics but like everyone's cut as hell they're buff like even the men are like you could you could like if you went a, if you took a sword to them the sword would break they're so thick oh my God. yeah i googled it batman is so ripped i know it's like it's bizarre and and that's a fun comic if you just want a fun ramp of uh hot batman uh, <laughs> superheroes and villains fighting each other yeah. with like a fun murder mystery on the side right. back to uh, batman returns I love I love how Michael Keaton looks in the bat suit because his head is attached <laughs> to his body so he looks like he's frozen and he Michael Keaton has this he has like this face he looks always shocked <laughs> he, he, in, not even just Batman in like Birdman and Spotlight he always has this same face yeah it's, it's amazing it's like his eyes are bugging it looks like his eyes are gonna pop out of the suit yeah. <laughs> It's very alarming. Did they ever find out how to make him turn his head? <laughs> no. In Dark Knight. It took till Dark Knight. <laughs> it took till Dark Knight. They make a joke about it in Dark Knight. Yeah. 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 Bruce is like Bruce is like to Lucius. This time can I move my head in the suit? <laughs> but I don't I don't think I mean, I feel like people who are really into the Burton movies could probably go on with these for a while. I know, like, aside from not liking the portrayals, I've just sort of grown sour to Tim Burton as a director. Because he seems like one of those directors that has only seen Tim Burton movies. You know, I feel like at some point Tim Burton only started watching his own movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if we're all good on Tim Burton movies, now for the best Batman movies. Woo! <laughs> if not the most fun. <laughs> the, oh my goodness. The Joel Schumacher movies, which were made to sell toys. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Joel Schumacher film stars... Val Kilmore is Batman. Yep. Chris O'Donnell is Robin. Tommy Lee Jones is Two Face, and Jim Carrey is the Riddler. And if you have not seen these movies, just from that casting, you you know what the movie's gonna be like. <laughs> and just the idea of Joel Schumacher directing it too. They're dumb. They're silly. They're really fun for kids. Yeah. The amount They've got of... nipples. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the bat nipples. The amount of dutch angles in this movie there's a <laughs> stupid amount of dutch angles you know how we made this joke for thor yeah it felt like it felt like they just it felt like someone hit the camera and no one turned it yeah. <laughs> it was it was stupid it was like and i think some of the characters have an absolute blast tommy lee jones looks like he's having a blast i know he's not yeah but he looks mm-hmm. like it chris o'donnell and uh, Val Kilmer play their characters super cheesily. I think it's the least interesting Bruce Wayne is these movies. Yeah. This entire canon really is 
uh, including the Burn movies, I don't think he's as interesting. But he's really not interesting here. There's actually there's one thing where he's like hitting on this reporter as Bruce Wayne and as Batman. And so he'll like at first he starts moseying oh, up yeah. to her as as Batman, <laughs> yeah. and then he has a meeting with her as Bruce Wayne, and they go on dates as Bruce Wayne, and then he comes back as Batman, and she's like, "No, Batman, I'm sorry, I'm seeing someone." Yeah, and then he turns around and smiles. <laughs> he blue balled himself. He has the goofiest <laughs> smile. He's like, "Yeah, I sh- I played her." He's like, he prefers the millionaire, the billionaire version of me than the Bat version. Also, he doesn't. That even doesn't bother. make sense. He doesn't even bother trying. Trying to hide the fact that he's Batman. Anyone with two eyes and two ears <laughs> can tell that that is Bruce Wayne in a suit. In Wayne Manor, there is a tunnel that leads him down to the Batcave. Who built the tunnel? <laughs> it's like an ejection pod on a seat. Yeah, it's like it goes all the way down from Wayne Manor into his Batcave. Did they? Did he? Did Bruce Wayne build it? as bruce wayne and then they never bothered to ask why it led to the Batcave, or did he build it as batman and they never bothered to ask why batman is doing this in wayne manor it makes no sense i mean these films aren't meant to be analyzed on that level and i understand that but these are just they're dumb they're really dumb oh and jim carrey is having the time of his life yeah i i feel like schumacher just told him to like just just do the mask again oh yeah it is the mask or like Ace Ventura. It's basically a Jim Carrey character. I would kind of like to see Jim Carrey return to the role with some level of direction. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like he could do better than The Mask again. Yeah. I think he's a good Riddler. Yeah. I think I think he I think Tommy Lee Jones is a bad Two Face. Oh, he's awful. Do you know the anecdote that like Tommy Lee Jones was so mean to Jim Carrey? <laughs> yeah, I've heard about this. They hated each other. Yeah, it would be like you're a horrible actor and you don't deserve to grace the same screen as me and say shit like that. <laughs> he seems like such a dick. Yeah. But um, I think what I was going to say is I feel like they had the Joker with Jack Nicholson. Everyone liked the joke, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And they just said, why don't we make every character the Joker? And so after that, every single Batman villain is the Joker. Mm-hmm. And, like, less so in Batman and Robin, but it's like, oh, Joker's this crazy man with acid who who uh, robs banks and stuff. Oh, Penguin's this crazy man who bites people's faces off and, like, with, <laughs> uses, and, and uses penguins. Oh, uh, Tom, oh, Two-Face and the Riddler are basically the same. And, they're like, there's no reason that Two-Face should be this, like, happy-go-lucky, yeah, I'll kill anyone, I don't care. And they really yeah. try to play in this, like, he has two personalities. He doesn't. No. He has one personality. <laughs> it's, like, his cave is, like, half of it is all demonic and black and dark, and the other half is all white and angelic. Yeah, I get that that part is cheesy. But if if I were to look at the silver lining, it would be the set design. I think the set design is it, stunning. It is very cheesy, but I think it it looks I think it's fun. I think it's fun and fitting. Here's why I cannot harp on these movies too hard is because I think the mark of a bad artist is someone who wants to create something and fails at creating the thing that they wanted or the thing that they visioned and they knew what the vision of this movie is and yep. they stuck to their guns. <laughs> they did not change a thing. That vision was flawed and terrible from the outset, but it exists, and it's 
It sold McDonald's toys. Yeah. And that's all you can really ask. And then Batman and Robin, uh, basically everything I said about Batman Forever applies to Batman and Robin, but times 10. I mean, Batman and Robin, I, I showed him, I showed Evan Batman Forever, and I was like, it gets more ridiculous. And he was like, how could it get more ridiculous? And we watched the first 10 minutes of Batman and Robin, yeah. <laughs> and it gets more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so f- i i mean i th- still to this day i find these movies incredibly fun to watch i love putting them on they're too long they're so long if they were like 30 <laughs> minutes shorter they'd be perfect movies in my mind but they're so stupid long and like nothing happens in the first two acts mm-hmm. like there's always like a cool set piece at the beginning and then nothing happens and then you get to the end yeah. But this has some really incredible funny scenes. The bat credit card scene, uh, Batman thawing out Robin after he goes up in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in a rocket in a museum where he steals a diamond and he's like, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. And then he blows up a dinosaur statue. <laughs> it's like, and the, and like, this, this has Poison Ivy. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. I will not call him Mr. Freeze. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, Uma Thurman plays Poison Ivy. And Bane, who is just this henchman for Poison Ivy, which is easily the least interesting take of the character ever. Oh, yeah. Batgirl is in it. It's a fun movie. It's worth watching just to like get drunk and laugh at with your friends. But it doesn't even feel in the same universe as some of this other Batman stuff that we've discussed. No. In terms of quality or character building or anything, really. Mm-hmm. We can move on to the Nolan movies. The These are the best. I don't even think... I think every person every person in the world has seen these movies, but they're, it's Christopher Nolan's trilogy of Christian Bale as Batman. It's the dark, brooding take where after Batman and Robin killed the superhero genre effectively, Batman Begins came back and saved it. It's these aren't superhero films. These aren't action movies. They're dramas. They're thrillers. And they function like thrillers. And they're as daring and as interesting as any other drama thriller you can expect from Christopher Nolan. Um, Some of the most interesting takes on the characters and some of the most realistic takes on the characters. Obviously, you have the Joker. Heath Ledger is the Joker who does an incredible job to the point where I don't even need to say it. Um, Two-Face. I'm blanking on the actor's name. Incredible oh, portrayal of Two-Face. Geez, I forgot his name as well. Aaron Eckhart. Yes, Aaron Eckhart. Uh, just incredible portrayal of Harvey Dent. It's uh, the most, it's very accurate to the comics, like scarily accurate to the yeah. comics. Yeah. Um, the, the portrayal of Scarecrow is really interesting. I That was one of my favorites, was how they, how they uh, managed to make Scarecrow not as cartoonish as his other depictions. I thought mm-hmm. that was so clever. Whoever had that idea, so smart. I think that these films are some of the most special films ever to me and Clayton. Yes. And I don't I don't even think that that's an exaggeration. I think that these films are they they mean so much to me and my development of film. And every time I watch The Dark Knight, I notice something that I I have not seen before and I it it's so exciting and especially because they're dense they're really yeah. dense movies so much happens in them but they they feel so fast because yeah. the pacing is so good compared to like you know bat what is it 
Batman Forever. <laughs> I forgot the name. That's how bad it is. Like I can't remember the name. When I was showing it to Evan, every scene I was like, "Oh, this is a great scene. Yeah. Oh, this is a great scene. Oh, this is a great scene." Mm-hmm. Every scene of that movie is iconic. Like Absolutely. I was literally, I was si- I was sitting there like, "Where's the low points of this movie?" And it doesn't happen. My favorite. I just want to say my favorite scene in The Dark Knight. The, the truck scene, the fact that they didn't have any score or like any sort of sound, like they only had like sound effects that were relevant to what was going on. Mm-hmm. I thought that is one of, I think that is one of my favorite action scenes ever. I don't want to say it is my favorite action scene of all time because I just watched it recently, but it is so close to be like, if I'll I watch it. it again, oh my goodness, that was amazing. I'll say it's my favorite. Action it was scene of all so time. good. Like, even after the movie, I was just like, that scene was really good. That was one of the best scenes I've ever seen. Also, quick spoiler warning, because I'm going to talk about that scene a little bit. The way that it unfolds to where it's like, oh, shit, Harvey Dent just said he's Batman. Oh, that's the Joker in that. That's the Joker's henchman in that car. Oh, that's the Joker. Oh, that's Batman just showed up. Oh, Gordon's (laughs) alive. Like, just, I, I mean, like. Every minute interval, something happens where you're like, oh, shit, this is genius. This is mm-hmm. so well written. And, and it's it's insane. And and it, it it's a film that's at 11 all the time. And yeah. it should be bad. And it should be exhausting. And it should be, it should give me a headache. But I watch it and I'm like, this is exhilarating. I won't go too much into it because I think these honestly deserve their own podcast like each individual movie probably deserves its own podcast but ryan hit the nail on the head like these this is like one of the most important trilogies ever made to me and i think heath ledger's joker is my favorite movie character of all time i i say i think but now that i'm thinking about it i don't even think it's close like i think that is such a standout performance and it showed me like what is capable in screenwriting and acting and when the two like perfectly mesh it's so original while at the same time exactly being the character from the comics. It's stunning. I love it so much. I will say on the Heath Ledger note, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said, but something I don't see pointed out a lot is the evolution of the character throughout the movie. Because when he starts off, he is kind of like meek and not really in control of the room he's in with the mob bosses. Mm-hmm. Um until he shows that he's going to kill it. He's willing to kill everyone. But even then he like sort of stumbles out and he's, 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 he's manic, but he's not honed in yet. Mm -hmm. And then as it goes on, you see him get more brutal and smarter and you see the chips he has and you see, or or the cards he has and you see how he plays them. Yeah. And that is what makes this character. That is one aspect of this character that makes him so effective is compared to any other Joker, he is smart and uh, will stop at nothing. Mm-hmm. And I know that's true for the other characters, but like the intelligence and this, uh, the um, I don't want to say charisma, but the like the the way that you can't look away from this character is something that I don't think has been captured with the Joker for any other uh, portrayal. He's just this, he's a man with nothing to lose, and he knows it. Also, quick aside, I do think Christian Bale does a good job as Batman, and I know his performance, especially the voice, has been harped on 
uh, since the films have come out, but the voice is less silly than we the way we joke <laughs> makes it out to be, although it is still incredibly silly. The first real scene with Batman and Batman Begins is basically shot and played out like a horror sequence. And like they really capture the character and Gotham and its essence in the most grounded and realistic take on Batman that I've seen. Yeah. And I don't want to get too much into Rises because Evan hasn't seen it. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. I love Rises. I love all of them. Um, I will defend Rises to the death. People hate that movie wrongly, in my opinion. <laughs> I think that they were dealt a bad hand and played the their cards they had the best they, they could. I haven't seen it in a very long time, um, so I wish I could judge it fairly. I have a great amount of nostalgia for the movie that makes me deeply love it. Um, I could say the same for all of these movies, but I still think The Dark Knight is a perfect movie regardless of if I grew up with it or not. And I think beyond being one of the best Batman uh, comic, or sorry, one of the best Batman uh, materials, one of the best superhero movies, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. And I don't even think that's not a bold statement. No. You better hold us on that Batman, on that Nolan trilogy pod. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Real quick, I don't think these will be as long. DCEU, their aspects, uh, of there hasn't even been a full Batman movie, but just talking about Batman v Superman and Justice League, um, I'll start off by saying there are aspects of the character I enjoyed. I think the idea of Bruce like having this mechanical suit and his voice being voice modulated, I think that that's really interesting. I think the idea of him actually killing people is not good from a writing standpoint because. In Dark Knight Returns, he goes on about the Joker, and he's like, how many people have I let die because of you? How many people have I killed because of you? And the idea of a, a Batman just sort of killing people willy-nilly loses all of that depth of, like, the fact that he takes on those de the deaths of his villains as his own, um, which is, I feel, lost. The Martha thing is stupid. Yeah. And in Justice League, he's kind of a joke character. Mm -hmm. and i i think that that's a real disservice to the character yeah the best part about batman v superman is the batman part but that movie's not great and justice league is just a joke like it's laughably bad in my opinion i really i really hate that movie's rendition of both flash and the joker and wonder woman like they sexualize wonder woman a lot when she's probably the most powerful non-superman character yeah not a fan of the dceu <laughs> but the snyder cut's coming out Woo, Woo! baby! i'll watch we're it get, but... we're gonna get we're gonna get so much material on dark side that we'll never see <laughs> it's never gonna be fleshed on i'm so excited to watch all of this filler yeah <laughs> yeah that's the dceu animated films i've only seen uh red hood but i think red hood's a fantastic movie um, the animated series is obviously great. I've seen some episodes here and there, but I'm not an expert on it. Uh, first introduction of Harley Quinn, which has been one of the, weirdly enough, I'd say one of the more interesting characters of Batman, but also one of the most culturally relevant characters of Batman, which I would not have expected. Yeah, honestly. I don't know. From To pull from a show, like it shows how uh, much of a touchstone the animated series was. Oh, yeah, and the fact that this character from this anime kids show became a staple in all Batman media is 
yeah really she really shows how symbiotic the relationship between all these batman creations are mm-hmm. and the i think the only problem i have with the heart the i i think i have an issue with like not an issue i think it's really interesting that how harley quinn has become an icon in the batman franchise like there's an animated show of her suicide squad was kind of uh pitched on the back of harley quinn birds yeah. of prey was but that movie bombed because suicide squad was ass so <laughs> yeah i think uh what do you think of mask of the phantasm and red hood mask of the phantasm was fine in my opinion under the red hood is one of my favorite batman movies it might be my third favorite behind dark knight and dark knight rises i haven't seen batman begins in a while really fun joker in that movie really fun nightwing who's played by neil patrick harris which is great um yeah i i can't remember if that movie's on netflix right now but it's definitely worth a watch uh the final like confrontation between red hood joker and batman is an incredible scene I, I think it's one of the best animated scenes when he's like <laughs> I've seen when he's like we'll take pictures all together first me and the bats then bats and Robin then all three of us then with the crowbar <laughs> it's it's great uh, he's a funny mm-hmm. Joker like that Joker is funny and like that's something yeah, that is. uh I can't say for every Joker <laughs> although that's never really the point of the character it's just it's just a Joker that it's a Joker that loves what he's doing and has fun doing it mm-hmm. and and they make it very clear that like this joker's having a blast killing <laughs> jason todd yeah and then i think that this is our first introduction into deep lore batman is uh batman arkham asylum arkham city arkham origins and sadly we will not be able to talk about night because i don't think any of us have played it but me and evan are gonna play it after we finish it's- origins yeah, we have it downloaded on Steam, so we're we're just oh, going nice. through it. I actually just I just uh, finished the hundred percent for Arkham City and Asylum. I did all the challenge wow. maps and stuff because I'm I am I don't know why I don't know what the motivation was. Just had to do it. Lots of hours. I put like sixty hours in this city. Oh my god! <laughs> you just hate yourself. Yeah, yeah. I dumped hours on it. That's awesome though, and those games are a blast. They are, they're really fun. They're I, so I really fun. enjoyed them. I, I think that that's a really great introduction into the Batman deep lore stuff because you've got... You see every major character and villain between Origin... Or, sorry, between at least these three games, Asylum, City, Origins, every big player of Batman is shown to a decent extent. Uh, you get... Uh, riddles to solve for other characters like Tweedledee and Tweedledum and these and Maxi Zeus and Firefly and these bizarre characters that you might not have heard of otherwise. Yeah, I was just going to say that like even if uh, there are characters that aren't prominent in the like the main the main plot of the game, like the riddles still help still help with like exposition on the background of Gotham. Yeah. And I think that these games do an incredible job of world building and showing what Gotham is like in this universe. And something extremely commendable about these games is the first one kind of feels like an add-on to the comics where it's like, this is for fans of the comics and we're not going to hide that. 
And the second one feels like we're taking what we started in Asylum and running with it and making our own canon and doing our own thing and making bold choices. And that I find incredibly commendable uh, to say we can stand on the shoulders of giants. I really love the Arkham games. I also haven't played Arkham Knight, but I won't ramble on too much. I just want to make two points is that A, Arkham Origins is underrated. I really, really love that game. And B, there's like so many memorable set pieces from Arkham Asylum that go down as like my favorite moments in gaming. Like the Killer Croc sequence that I had to play three times because for some reason, mom let you guys play this game even though you were seven and it's definitely scary. (laughs) So I had to play that part for you guys. Yeah, you you were young in retrospect for that game, which is like pretty creepy. And speaking of creepy, like the Scarecrow sequence, that's... That's my yeah. favorite iteration of Scarecrow oh, I've it's seen. So good. The Amadeus Arkham stuff too. Like if I'd listened to that as a kid, it's like he was a he was a horrible patient. I gutted his throat. It's yeah. like, oh Jesus, Arkham. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, it's it's it went over our heads. Oh, it absolutely did. Uh, I remember being like, oh, who's this boring man talking? He's all <laughs> echoey. <laughs> but yeah, those games are also they're kind of revolutionary in the fact that every video game copied the arkham games like every single fighting style in these like um i don't know how i'd describe them action adventure games like they all took from arkham it feels like yeah the first game that comes to mind is sleeping dogs like immediately i can i see an immediate Mm -hmm. uh similarity with with the fighting style i was like in spider-man yeah i haven't played spider-man but I'm, i'm totally sure of that I just remember in Sleeping Dogs, it's like, there's a lot of guys uh, you can counter, and then some of them have bats, and you can take them away. And then it's like, oh, this, I was like, when playing Arkham Asylum, I was like, huh, this seems a bit familiar. (laughs) Also, I wouldn't want to spoil City. Um, It's an incredible game, but like the story, the design of Gotham, the people in charge of it, the players like Doctor Strange and Raj al Ghul, um... And obviously the Joker and Harley Quinn and everyone and Mr. Freeze. The way that they explore these characters is amazing. The way that Arkham City is sectioned off so that like this is Two Face's area and all the goons look like Two Face. This is Penguin's area. This is Joker's area. I think is really smart and really interesting from a from a world building and set design standpoint. And it, these games are worth playing absolutely if you're a batman fan or if you're not a batman fan or if you're looking to get into batman yeah definitely and i think that's everything i will say one more thing in the example of video games in in video games in movies in comics and tv shows batman is always leading the charge when it's like oh there can't be good superhero games and then arkham asylum comes out oh Mm -hmm. superhero movies are dead then Batman Begins comes out. Oh, comics are for are for kids. Dark Knight Returns comes out. There is this willingness to explore and follow in the footsteps of great writers in the Batman franchise and say, we can do this. We can make this character more than a man who dresses as a bat. Mm-hmm. We can turn... We can we can revitalize entire industries off of the strength of this character. Well said. Yeah. 
I, I totally agree. I think that's a great point to end on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for watching. Please, uh, I think everything we talked about here is worth checking out. Uh, I know some people who would bemoan us for not talking about the animated series more. We didn't grow up on I didn't grow up on it. I wish I've seen more and could talk about it, but that's probably the only thing I'd add on where like all of these things are essential Batman material mm -hmm. and essential in whatever medium they come from, I think. And yeah, I think uh, if if you want to start with Batman, uh, year one, Nolan Films, Arkham Asylum, none of those are a bad place to start. Yeah, I was just going to say like, uh, before we go like a great thing about batman is like if you're not a reader there's like games or there's a movie if you don't like movies you know there's always alternatives to this universe that you could always delve into which uh is super interesting and i think it attracts a larger audience so if you're a movie person definitely check out the nolan trilogies or if you love if you're if you're a gate if you're a cool epic gamer uh check out the <laughs> arkham series they are totally worth being a part of and like uh immersing yourself into yeah for sure i mean like maybe it's hard for me to remove my bias but like batman is such a beloved character to me and like we talked about that at the beginning he's so versatile like you can throw him in a crime drama you can throw him in a period piece with gotham by gaslight you can throw him in an anime with batman ninja and the character works because he's so human and so complicated and so visually iconic it's just one of the most translatable characters across culture, across medium, and so many powerful entries that we can lean on um, to get our Batman fix. It's a, it's really an exciting lore and lineage of this character. And on that note, I think that's a great place to end it. Clayton, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, sure. I mean, um, I host two other podcasts. We got Stories Worth Sharing and You Have to Watch This. But the main thing I honestly want to plug is this podcast. This is the third in hopefully four episodes that deal with spooky stuff and Halloween. And the last two episodes have gotten really great reception so far, and I'm sure this one will as, as well. So go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't, and subscribe to hear our final episode for October of 2020. Uh, I'll also throw out as a aside, um, myself and Evan, we both have podcast we do called you have to hear this with our friend lucas Cottett on um we recommend albums to each other every week and then discuss them uh next week's gonna be halloween themed or mm. it hasn't been recorded yet that's as i don't know when this is coming out so that might be a spoiler I'm, i might have not even announced it on my podcast uh-oh but yeah <laughs> halloween themed podcast who cares who cares and then um also we're in a band together called beach tower yeah and I play guitar, Evan plays bass. We have an EP uh, out called uh, Beach Tower EP. Yeah. Um, yeah, check it out if you may. And I think that's been it. Uh, I'm Ryan Terry. I'm Clayton Terry. And I'm Evan. <laughs> and this has been uh, Terry Talks. You want to say something funny? I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs>